Hey everyone, this week on the show, we talk with Young Adults Pastor Jeremy King about being relational in today's culture and the danger of letting go of foundational truths in an attempt to be relevant. There's this cultural moment that is kind of like we're better off if we just embrace every belief. But what I think we're seeing is that as much as we experience the high and the beauty of a moment like that of like, yes, you know, humanity together, we're also experiencing the fruit of trying to just embrace everything as truth and we see that it actually doesn't give us any sort of foundation. Welcome to In Doubt. My name is Ryan McCurdy, your host, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Jeremy King, and he is a longtime friend of mine, and I'm really excited to get into this episode today because we talk about what it means for us as young adults, and Jeremy and I are both young adult pastors, to wrestle with the truth and embrace what it means to be somebody who holds the truth while communicates it in a graceful, loving, and kind way. And so I wonder if you've ever asked that question. How do I share what I believe? How do I hold in tension the fact that I disagree with other people? And so we want to get into that conversation today. So make sure you stay tuned and take a listen to this episode. Welcome to In Doubt. And I'm really excited to have my good friend, Jeremy King, here with me. Jeremy? It is very good to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you. Jeremy is a young adults pastor at a church in Langley, British Columbia called Christian Life Assembly. Jeremy, could you tell us a little bit about your story and you know how you got into ministry? Tell us a little bit about where you're at and how long you've been in ministry, some of those things. Yeah, my parents are pastors. Uh, they are incredible people, an amazing upbringing. My parents pastored for 15 years in Burnaby and then I went to YWAM. So when I was like three, I always tell people I lived in Hawaii for six months, but I was three. So, you know, memories are, are sparse. But we, during that time, they felt called to plant a church. So we planted a church in Maple Ridge. Uh, and uh, yeah, I love, love that world of, of hiking and whatever else. Um, but grew up there really from when I was five to 25, lived, uh, lived in Maple Ridge. My parents pastored a community church and really modeled uh, health in a lot of ways. If you don't know, Christian Life Assembly is a pretty big church, a few, few thousand people. But I, re- I grew up in a church of 80 people. And uh, I didn't really understand when people talked about like church politics or like, you know, conflict like that. I was like, what? Like, Because <laughs> my parents, what I realized later is just that my parents are such humble people. And we were in a really small community where they were just faithful and loved people and uh, ran Alpha. And, and from one person to the next, just led people to Jesus in, in really normal ways. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had an incredible, what I realize now more than I ever have, it was a really unique upbringing because I felt like I didn't grow up kind of bitter towards the church and, and didn't grow up kind of like frustrated with the system. I feel like because of how my parents modeled faith, I actually grew up with a lot of hope for the church. And and that's kind of my, something I call the ministry. I was like, when I was 16, I felt, I won't go into the details, but it just felt like a really specific call is such an easy word to use, but through uh, time with God and through some things that others spoken in my life, it felt like this real call to, to spend my life helping and encouraging young people to take their faith seriously, but not in like a like an, an intense way or like, you know, uh, like where it's like separating from culture, but rather say, I think Jesus is relevant 
to my world in the middle of Canadian 21st century culture? What is it to really live in response to him? So that was kind of like what I felt. I'm like, I want to spend my whole life just helping people see if this is for real, then what does it mean for us? And and to see, you know, Canada in the midst of where it's at, return to God's word and build their lives upon it. And, and so that's really my passion. And then I did a lot of worship leading for a few years. And then I got hired at CLA, Christian Life Assembly, when I was like, I was 21. I, I was so underqualified, whatever that even means. I feel yeah. like everyone says that, but yeah. I, re- I really was. And uh, and then and I worked at a campus for a few years and then I uh, did some work with interns. And just actually more recently, a year and a half ago, made the move over to Langley, which is the main campus of the yeah. church, and took over young adults. And so I'm th- I just turned 30. So that's just something Come on. Something everybody should know, you know? There you great. go. 30. Okay, a great age. Here's the thing. Jeremy King, just to give a little bit of context, I remember being, I must have been like 19. So I had just kind of come back to the faith. I had given my life to God. And I remember one night in particular, you might remember this, where we were there for a youth and young adult service. And I was really struggling. I had some, some big questions. I think that's been yeah. a part of my story. Lots of big questions and lots of wrestling. And I remember one night after a service or even during a service, the preacher was preaching and I walked out and I was just struggling with what was going on and in my own mind, in my own faith and reconciling uh, my own experience of God and my own reality of what I thought theologically or believed about God. And I remember going out to the back and sitting outside and Jeremy King comes out and sits next to me and I must, I don't, can't remember details, but I must have been crying or something. I was just having that crisis of faith and you were there and you were with me and you, I remember you, I don't remember what you said. I don't remember what you prayed, but I remember that you were there with me and you were praying with me. And that's the kind of leader I remember you to be as. So maybe as a 21 year old underqualified, but I think, you know, this is a bit of a tangent, but any small thing that any underqualified person does, because we're all underqualified, can go so far. Like that played a huge role in my walk with God and and my wrestling with who he is. And so I've never told you this, but thanks, man. Dude, that's really cool. I remember that night was just a really good conversation. You remember that Um, night? Yeah. And and so really this is in some ways, just a continuation of good chats, you know, (laughs) me and McCurdy. Um, (laughs) But no, I, yeah, I do. And yeah, like that makes me think about something that's become more and more of a value. And I think it's a value of our culture. Um, just that little story is just that I think that, you know, one thing I learned from feeling underqualified and definitely not, well, none of us have all the answers, but um, many times feeling like you don't have an answer is just learning to be authentic and which is such a buzzword now, but, but really just learning to be present and, and to be okay to say like, you know, as much as I, in the depth of who I am, I know my faith is real. I actually don't know an answer to that. And I don't know what that feels like, and, but that sucks. Is that and, something that you feel you find yourself having conversations with consistently as a young adult pastor? You know, I'm also work with young adults and that's something that I've come up against where I say, hey, you know, I don't know all the answers, but I know the one who does. So if I can steward a relationship with Jesus, I, I'll let you be with him and look at his word and I'll help facilitate you and walk with you. But are you finding that a lot of people are longing for answers to questions or what are you, what are you finding? What are you, what are you sensing? Yeah. You know what I find like even in teaching, which is an environment where we're literally trying to bring answers to a certain degree, or at least, you know, bring about healthy conversation or perspective. I use the example to kind of summarize where I feel like 
uh, our generation is at, at least at least in the church, but I think outside as well, is almost like just acknowledging at the beginning, like, hey, we just recognize the worldviews that are there. We recognize the challenges. We recognize the tension. Mm-hmm. Like we just right out of the right out of the gate, it's like, hey, all these things are present. Yeah. And yet we find ourselves here longing for God, you know, <laughs> knowing there's also things in, in our faith that are so real and that we have experienced. And so we bring it all to the table. And and when you can when you can be authentic like that, I think then people actually appreciate a confidence that says, but here's here's what we see and here's what we declare. And so what I mean is like I don't think people need you to be a professional. Right. I think they just need you to acknowledge that you're not and then right. to bring all that you have. I think that's kind of speaks to this authenticity thing. It's not like, hey, I don't want to hear anything from you. Actually, people are longing for truth and they're longing for people that are convicted, but they, it, there has to be, we have to start at, hey, I don't have all the answers. And these are, they're real, there are real tensions and there are real challenges and there are things that I don't have answers to. And here we go. And this is one of the challenges of, you know, globalization. The fact that we all have access to our, a phone. Like it doesn't matter if you live in an urban city core or if you live right. on like the plains of some, you know, small town where it's like you've got fields for miles and miles and miles. Like it doesn't matter where you're from. The fact that the internet and cell phones and computers make it so that we can all connect. It actually, I think, in the course of like history has changed some of the discussion on what is truth, right? Mm-hmm. And like we look to God's word and we want to understand contextually how to follow and how to live and how to be. And that might look different in Vancouver compared to Montreal or Texas and New York City. You know, like it's all so much of how we live and have our being and that sounds cheesy, but so much of how we live is contextualized to the city that we grow up in and and that we live. And so not having all the answers is like people know we don't have all the answers as pastors. People know that you don't have all the answers. And so by saying, oh, hey, I have all the answers, you completely written off many people, I think, that are wanting to learn and grow. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even in our generation of podcasts and what we're doing right now, I think there's a huge need for truth. There's a huge need for um, defending worldviews and, and talking about things. But at the same time, it's everything needs to be an invitation to a conversation. Um, and I think that even recognizing, you know, even maybe even some people listening to this, it's like, yeah, we're in very different situations contextually. And so it is like, hey, just acknowledging some things might not apply. Some right. things might be misinterpreted. And so that's even a way to like practice what I was just talking about. It's like, hey, that is totally normal. And then just acknowledging that and then saying, but the conversation is still valuable. And it's totally. a conversation we're all in. And I think that, you know, a lot of people studying culture right now, even in the church would say like things are moving away from yeah, what people call like an attractional model of church, where it's like come to the building and experience this. The church, and, the church is a building and a service. Right. Right. So right. people are moving away from that. To more of like the church is the a community, the people, you know, ministering, if you will, to one another and letting that be kind of even where a lot of the conversations are happening. But I think even even the way we approach teaching, this we're finding this is changing. It's kind of saying, hey, but, you know, where rubber meets the road is like, what? how does this affect our lives? And what does this look like in conversation with my friends in our world? And so, yeah, podcasts and teaching and all these things are so, so valuable, but they really actually, they're most, everyone would recognize they're most valuable as they just continue a conversation that's happening. They model the conversation that people can have outside on their own. We all know that 
anyone listening to this could be listening to more intellectual content right now. They yeah. could just choose to listen to something arguably better. Like 100%. In terms of, yeah, in, in terms, terms of, of intellectual lo- and certain specific focuses and yeah. Exactly, because there's so much content, but it's actually then about saying, but so this is, this in light of our cultural moment, I think is actually saying we're more coming alongside people in the journey that we're all in. And there's just an invitation to say, hey, we're growing this together and actually taking advantage of you know, the platforms that we now have in terms of connectedness r- rather than kind of like competing in the way that we used to or, or fighting the battles that we used to. And so, yeah. I think one of the interesting pieces is, you know, the psychological, spiritual or psychological, theological, like they're very influenced by one another, right? But one of the things that I think is very profound is that when you talk about people wanting truth, I think sometimes some people take a counselor approach to truth. We'll get there eventually. It's a journey. Let's be authentic. Let's express our emotions and we'll come across the truth. We'll stumble across it. And I think there's something to be learned in that. But I also want to kind of head down a direction and ask a little bit about this idea of the fact that in Christ, we actually have certain truths that we know to be foundational principles that we will not waver from as the church, right? That Jesus is the son of God, that he died on a cross has risen again, that the only way to life in God is through Jesus. And so in light of that, you know, with people who are wrestling and struggling with belief or what to believe, it's like, where's that tension of that line of saying, hey, yeah, we'll figure it out as we go. We'll walk together in authenticity. And also, this is what we know to be true. And so I'm curious, like for you, like your experience with walking with people who, like you say, are desperate for truth and having the answer, quote unquote, to say, oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then the complexity of the realities of the individual life, like you you walk with people day in and day out. What's mm-hmm. that? What's the nuances of that? Because we could tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. And people say, oh, great. I mean, there's so much there. One thought I had uh, a minute ago is just that, you know, I think what we're seeing is that there's this cultural moment that is kind of like we're better off if we just embrace every belief and every, you know, every different perspective. And there's this all embracing, like embracing of everything. But what I think we're seeing is that as much as we all kind of experience the high and the beauty of a moment like that, of like, yes, you know, humanity together, we're also experiencing the fruit of trying to just embrace everything as truth. And we see that it actually doesn't give us any sort of foundation. Thanks for being with us so far. In Doubt episodes are available on many different platforms like the one you're currently listening on. But we have a brand new addition. The In Doubt Show is now on Spotify. We invite you to follow us at In Doubt Podcast and listen to the same episodes that are aired weekly on our website and on iTunes. If you would like to add your input or ask a question, send us an email at info at And now we'll return to the conversation between Ryan and Jeremy. In wanting to welcome people in to Mm -hmm. maybe the church or maybe into the faith, are we seeing that there are churches that water down the truth of the gospel for the sake of relevance? That, I think, is more appropriate the question. Yeah, and then when we do, we find ourselves totally irrelevant. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think we're seeing that, and I think we'll just continue to. You think so, hey? Um, And I think that even Jesus, I think even Jesus speaking to the churches in Revelation, there's this beautiful first few chapters where he's like speaking to specific churches in specific regions. What's so beautiful about it is if you study, you'll find that 
you just see, wow, Jesus knew them personally and as a community so, so well in ways mm-hmm. we couldn't grasp by first reading without knowing the context. But but what you see, though, is that there's this call to hold on to truth. There's a call to hold on to him and to not compromise. I think what we see is that actually as churches compromise for the sake of being relevant, they cease to be relevant at all. I think we also see it in Jesus' time. There were four groups of people, um, or primarily four different kind of Jewish sects and like ways of responding to the cultural moment. And so there were like the Pharisees who were religious leaders and went hardcore with the word. I won't get into it all. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and Zealots. And uh, but but the Sadducees specifically held on to a certain amount of truth but then let go of some of what they knew in order to be relevant in the political sphere and to be relevant in the cultural sphere. And what we see is that that group specifically literally ended as a group of people. I forget the amount of years, but in not that many years. And I think that's like prophetic to what we'll see today. I think in the name of being relevant, in the name of trying to, you know, trying to be helpful, being like, this truth doesn't seem that relevant anymore. It doesn't seem that in, that helpful. And, and, and it can even come from a good place like, hey, let's bring the good of God, the stuff that people do want to receive because we think it will still be helpful. And so even coming from a good heart, whenever we let go of any kind of foundational truth, we actually cease to be relevant. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the things that sticks out for me in this is the good news, right? When we talk about the gospel, it's like literally the good news is good news because there's bad news. Good news is good because there's bad news first. And we don't like leading with bad news, but the reality is that our world knows there's bad news. Our world looks around politics, we experience it all the Hollywood. Time. There's things that are not good. We don't have to look super far. In our own homes, we see the effects of sin. And so when we as Christians or church leaders or whatever are welcoming people, and it's like, hey, everything's just rainbows, leprechauns, unicorns, like lollipops like come to church and like God loves you God loves you God loves you it's like yes he does but there was a cost there was a sacrifice and Jesus actually was the one who fulfilled that so that you didn't have to well the reason why I I think of this is because I had a conversation with a young adult woman who um, she at one point said to me she wasn't a believer and she said I hate I hate people and I was like okay she said I hate people see their flaws. I can't stand them. I'm, and she was getting really worked up. And I'm like sitting with her. I'm like, okay, tell me about this. And then she's like, I hate people. And it just went on and on. It got deeper and deeper. And I looked at her and I said, like, I wonder how you feel about yourself. And she just broke down in tears. I hate myself. I hate myself for these things. I hate that I do this. I hate that I act this way. I hate all these things. And it was so profound. And I felt like in that moment for me was this opportunity to either say, hey, you know what? It's okay. God loves you. Or to say, hey, you know what? Those things that you hate, God also hates. Mm -hmm. And I chose in that moment to say, hey, those things that you hate, God also hates. And when I said that, it's like she felt for once that there's a good God who has justice and mercy in both hands rather than just being a God of mercy and lovey-dovey, right? She's like, well, he actually doesn't like the things that I don't like as well. He must be a good God. And then I said to her, I said, in light of God hating sin, he loves you profoundly. And the good news was good because it had the backdrop of the bad news. And I feel like, and I wonder if you see this, that the church is losing some of that emphasis on, hey, sin is pervasive. Suffering is at our hand. 
What do you think? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I agree. And I think, I think sometimes we're afraid. We're afraid of declaring the truth or speaking the truth because we think it disrespects people. But I think what we see in Scripture is that there's a way to respect people and hold out the truth. And I think to be relevant is to be kind. It's to not be arrogant. It's to be respectful to every single person who's walking in all sorts of different uh, circumstances with different perspectives. But that doesn't mean that we need to let go of what we believe is truth. And I think always the hope of the church has been to be able to love and hold out truth. I mean, if you want to go to the idea of Jesus being gr- full of grace and truth, I think that that's what we have what we have to walk. But yeah, again, I think the mistake is, oh, I'm afraid that I'm going to come across as disrespectful or or hateful. And I just think, don't want to no, offend anyone. Yeah, yeah, but like we can be loving, we can be gentle. What I'm seeing, like tangibly, is that people are really fine to sit in, even on a teaching, but more so in a conversation. If they feel respected and loved, they're that they're often not offended by you bringing up what you believe to be true. If they genuinely feel loved and respected, I don't think the things fundamentally oppose one another. And I'm not saying that there's never conflict (laughs) between declaring truth and somebody standing in what they believe is truth that oppose that. There is conflict in it. I'm just saying in our fears as the church, I think we have less reason to be afraid if we just realize, no, I can actually be loving while I hold out truth. Um, I think think we can actually find there's way more people that want to have conversations than we think. There's way more people to be willing to stick around than we think. And all of a sudden we find ourselves holding on to the truth of God's word and able to embrace and love and walk with a lot more people than we thought possible. Yeah. And I wonder with some of these things regarding walking that out, like how do we walk that out? Yeah. I mean, I think um, it's one thing from a platform and from the, or from any form of teaching uh, or from the teaching perspective. I think that teachers, we need, like, we need to do hard work um, to understand people to understand perspectives. Um, I didn't tell you this part of myself. I was uh, I was homeschooled my entire life. I was literally, you know, in that? the, uh, it's great. We can talk about another podcast. Yeah. Just bring me in full, full podcast on homeschooling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, so, but I lived in that world. And then even now, I mean, I'm in like Langley by Trinity Western, which I love so many friends, friends there, but we just have to acknowledge like we're, we're in a, we're in a bubble of sorts. And I think when we're teaching and we're walking this stuff out, we have to pop the bubble, so to speak, and and open up our eyes. What are the challenges and what are the perspectives? What have people come through? I mean, the gift of ministry for me has been slowly understanding people more and more. So I think we need to do hard work to understand. Yeah, where people uh, are coming from. Where people are coming from, what, yeah, what different, what journeys people have been on. We need to understand, you know, like if somebody's really passionate about a certain ideology, like why? And, and you know, why are certain things such burdens for certain people? I mean, you know, Sometimes, like, for example, something that comes up as attention in Scripture is like something like slavery. And so somebody might be like super, super frustrated and hurt by the church when it comes to a topic like that. Like, how could there be a good God with slavery? Rather than just being like, you know, shutting it down or like, you know, talking about something else, it's seeking out like, why is that attention? How do I understand the Bible better? How do I understand their circumstance, their past, the history they've studied? And so part of it is just like in this intellectual age is actually pursuing knowledge. It's pursuing to grow in that. But then I would even say more than that, though, it's pursuing to hear the person. Can I throw in one thought quickly? Yeah. From one perspective, it's saying like, you know, how do we engage with culture as teachers and as people who are speaking from a platform or who are literally bringing about the discussions we want people to have in regards to faith? And in that sense, we need to do 
uh, research and we need to like be very mindful about where are people coming from. And I think we need to grow in that more and more and more. But even from that perspective, there needs to be this like willingness to say, like I said earlier, like, hey, I, I recognize there's tensions and there's things that we don't get and there's things that are really hard to answer. However, as I've looked at this and look at this, we see why people come to the conclusions they come to and we see the challenges that are there. And then saying, but here's how the Bible speaks into it. Here's what we do know. And then to be strong in, but here's what we stand in. And here's why we land there. And even to say, as Christians, here's why we land there. But but we love you. We care for the journey that you're on. So there's that. And then there's just being Christians, which arguably should be really similar. Right. Except for often it's not from a platform. Even more so, we need to sit and and listen. And, uh, And we need to actively listen. We need to not just listen to like figure out like, oh, what scripture do I use? What scripture do I come back with? What kind of thought, what kind of story debunks this? And I think sometimes why we react badly is because we're insecure about our own faith and we're insecure about our our beliefs. And so so I think we just acknowledge all those things and and get really good at engaging with people and yet finding what we know we're holding on to and why and recognizing actually our world's in crisis and the pursuit of secularism is actually beginning to crumble and people are seeing that there's holes in every system they tried, they hope to yeah. find hope in. And so we actually, we're not like holding on to, I always say God's not like an insecure businessman. He's not like, shoot, my company's failing. Let's try a few different yeah. random, like cheesy tactics. He's yeah. super secure in who he is. And he's got a plan. And as his followers, we need to be like, hey, God's relevant. He's good. And so in that space, we don't need to freak out. And when we don't have answers, we still don't need to freak out. Something that somebody very wise once told me was, you know, how secure is God that he would even instill some of the ideas and patterns of thought that would trip up people in his own word? So you look at the book of Ecclesiastes. Right. Life is meaningless. There's no purpose. There's no point. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Like that's in the word of God and people pursue that and think that. And in that passage of scripture, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we learn that actually that's not the best way to live. So God, here he is, so right. secure in who he right. is. He's so not good. this like, oh, I'm scared. I just got to like prove myself. I got to show a way out. He says, hey, actually in the Bible, I'm going to show you how I engage with this. We see like Jesus himself often teaches things that that kind of like bring up another side of the argument or bringing up another part or another perspective in terms of the conversation. And he never seems insecure about that. Totally. He He's a realist and he wants to be real with people. And so we, you know, as his followers, we want to embody that. Yeah. We want to be honest. We want to bring up even tensions. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that I want to get into because I know that you and your community um, that you pastor have been wanting to embody that fuller and in more intentionality. How do we live like Jesus? How do we model holding tension with others in character and in thought and in wisdom? Like how do we live in the tension and how do we be secure enough in ourselves and in who God is that we're not just frantically running around and like, I just got to make things work. I just got to get through or I just got to experience God. I got to, you know. And so one of the things that I'd like to get into, and maybe we'll have to save this for another conversation, is topic of spiritual disciplines, because that's something I know that you've been teaching through and been working on. Um, And so why don't we continue that conversation on another episode? But Jeremy, thanks so much for being here. That's so good. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of In Doubt with Jeremy King. You can follow him on Instagram at Jeremy A.W. King. And uh, next episode, we have somebody by the name of Kelly Muneer here with us. And we're going to be talking about some of the least reached university campuses in North America. And so that'll be next episode. Make sure you stay tuned for that. You can find all our conversations on indoubt.ca and make sure you follow us on Instagram, indoubtca. My name's Ryan. Thanks for listening today. And we hope you join us next week for another compelling conversation. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life, faith, and culture that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.